0: LGBT. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhagen, and Al Warren. 6.5 6.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Oh, welcome
2: back into the house of Mystery. I'm Mel Warren. Now, today joining me, we've got uh, a writer, returning author, and uh, the new book is called Scorch Mark. So, J.P. McLean, thank you for being here.
1: It's my pleasure. It's fun to be back.
2: Yeah. You notice, you see, I called you McLean, right? I didn't want to say McLean.
1: Well, you did it right. You did <laughs> McLean right. Although I'm sure there are some people that pronounce it McLean.
2: It's the McLean.
1: <laughs> there was a time when McDonald's had a burger that they called the McLean burger, yeah, that's right. and I got that a lot.
2: <laughs> I still remember it, so I want them to bring it back. <laughs> so when you write, I always wonder about this when people are writing a series like this. This is dark dreams series, and it's book three. Did you have it in mind at the very beginning when you were writing book one that this was going to be three books, or maybe it's even going to go further? Do you sort of plan that all out for a series?
1: I don't. I don't. I probably should, and I do hope that there will be a second book as I'm writing the first, and sometimes I can see further ahead than that. In my last series, I saw, I think, the the last three or four books I saw all at once, but my goal is in making the book I'm writing be as entertaining and complete as I can, because I like the first book especially to be totally standalone, no cliffhangers. So I don't do the business at the end that makes you you know, think that there's something missing and you have to go read the next book. So I don't. Um, when I was writing the first book, I did see the second book. So um, I started writing the second book, and I wasn't sure if there would be a third book because there needed to be enough for there to be a third book. And then I, an idea hit me, and I ran with it. And that, that ended up being the third book that just came out.
2: So is it is it the the character and what you want to do to a character or two or several? Or is it just the story and you're kind of throwing the characters into it? Like what what is it that starts out when you said you had an idea?
1: Oh, okay. Well, the idea... Um, the, the books are all based on one character, the main character, whose name is Jane Walker. And she's born with a string of birthmarks around her body, blood red, blood marks. And uh, we learn in the first book, and it's hinted at even on the back of the book, that the marks are protecting her. And so I thought, this would be really interesting if I gave those blood marks or the protection of the blood marks to the bad guys. So that was the idea when I was writing Ghost Mark, that I thought, I'm going to turn the tables on this and make it so that they've got to outsmart one another. They can't resort to uh, shoot them up, bang, bang, killing one another, because they can't. They're protected with these marks. And that made it a lot of fun.
2: That's really kind of a really kind of cool idea. It's almost like a a sci-fi in a sense.
1: I suppose. I suppose.
2: You know, like when you go back to the 60s, uh, some of the old shows, they always sort of, quite often they had something like that. You know, there is these unwritten things that you kind of know, just know. I guess sci-fi is not really it, but just sort of—it's very inventive. I like it. Oh, thanks. So you get you get a thumbs up here.
1: So. Well, the the good versus bad or good versus evil um, is is always fun to play with because there's there's so many things you can do with it. There are so many ways you can show it, like in the clothing they wear and in the um, the things that they say. It's it's fun. It's the white hat, black hat type of uh, scenario where you can really twist words and make the things that are good seem bad and the things that are bad seem good.
2: So what if the guy wears a purple hat? Is he good or bad?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that would make him Barney. He'd
2: yeah, Barney. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, you know, that's just but that, you know.
1: Yeah, that's good.
2: Can that's you good, trust them? You know, that's a can. Can we trust a purple hat? You know. Um, well, that's that's kind of good. And now, are you living through Jane Walker when you're writing a book? Like for the whole time, how, however long it takes you to write one of these books. So that whole time, are you living through Jane Walker's eyes?
1: I am when I'm writing it. I mean, I don't day to day cooking. I'm not thinking about it, but when I am writing, I'm most certainly her. And same thing with the other characters when I'm writing the Sadie character who's her best friend who has her own voice in this book um I'm her, and that's fun because she's a prostitute. oh
2: well, there you go in her spare time yeah,
1: so yeah, that's a fun one um, yeah <laughs> but i do <laughs> I do enjoy um being able to get into the headspace of the character, and I think that makes it. Uh, more entertaining for the reader as well, because there are little things that you can do when you're in someone's headspace to make it that person's headspace versus the other characters. So, you know, the, the language you use and the, the, um, the profanities that you use, the, the way you speak makes you different from the other character. And that makes it easier for the reader to follow the story.
2: For the whole time that it takes you to write, how long did it take you to write this one?
1: Uh, this one, the the outlining took you know the outlining starts way before the book gets written, but I the outline's done before I start writing, even if it's not a really good outline. So I would say with the outline, um, like after the outline was solidified, it was about eight months of writing.
2: For that eight months, I I don't know about you, but now that I've been writing in the fiction area this last year, I find that it's a lot more. Um, emotional let's say you feel it a lot more than when you're writing true stories for me i find this is a lot different uh experience writing and so if if you're writing it and you're going through the mind so you're kind of living as jane walker as you write her story and and other characters and stuff at the end of the book when you put it into the publisher and it's sort of done and going to be coming out do you think that that eight months has changed you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I think it does change you. And I think it's because you create this world. Like, all of the problems that come with this world and all of the quirks and all of the angst is something you have created. So, it does impact you because you know that if you weren't there, these problems wouldn't exist. These people wouldn't have gone through this. Um, Oftentimes, um, it's quite emotional, and it, e- even if it's not to somebody else. But when you finish it, it's quite emotional, just in the sense that you're putting these people through hell. And that's your job as a, as a writer in my kind of of genre in any case, because you've got to make their lives as miserable as possible to make it entertaining. Isn't that a terrible thing to say? I was,
2: yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, what a meanie. <laughs>
1: But it's kind of true. If if everything is all you know, sunshine and, and rainbows, it's it's probably not um, a supernatural thriller. In order for it to be a supernatural thriller and suspenseful, you've got to have a lot of nasty stuff happening.
2: You should be J- J. P. McMean.
1: McMeen. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I am. But some people. Yes, you could uh,
2: write write certain books under the McMeen label. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be funny? I could have a whole bunch of personas with the Mac in front of it.
2: Yeah, just think about it. This is uh, we've we've got a whole new new outlook here for you here. Yeah. this is going to be Mac wild. romance, Mac Mac
1: fantasy, <laughs> Mac
2: <Mac-ing>. Mac tonight. <laughs> make it Mac. Yeah, see, you got lots of stuff going on. Did you come up again? I I like to see this. Did you? So when you said you had the idea.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: So you, you get the idea, and you start putting your characters into it. Did you have a theme? Was there something that you wanted to get across to the reader in the book that, that comes out of this idea?
1: Uh, not that it comes out of that idea, but... And and it's interesting because I think a lot of times themes don't really show themselves until after when the book is finished. And um, the theme, I would say in this one, is um, family. And I know that does not go with what I just said earlier about making things so nasty. But um, the main character was abandoned at birth. And all through the three books, but culminating in this third book, the notion of family and what it means, and the family you're born with versus the family you make for yourself. That would be the theme, and it's the sacrifices you make to maintain or destroy those families that is the crux of this book. And I know that doesn't sound like when you read the back of the book, that is not what you read, but I think... That that's what it is. So you're lying to
2: people. You write something on the back of the book, and when they get, it, they get something different. <laughs>
1: no, <with> it. <laughs> it's a theme. It's like it's going to grab you. When you're done, you're going to say, okay, it was a really great ride, because of course they're going to say that. It's my book, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was a great ride, a great story. But when they sit and think about it, it'll be, that was about family.
2: So relationships are really important to you
1: then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the books have really strong relationship elements, loyalty is important to me. And I think that comes through in spades.
2: So a lot of you is, is in these characters as well. So you're you're not just um, living out Jane Walker, let's say, or, or Sadie. You are actually putting yourself into them as well.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I, I think it's kind of hard not to when you're writing because your stories are the culmination of who you are and things you've been through inform your characters and your stories, So I do think that there is a little bit of everybody who writes in their characters. I mean, there's a bunch of other people too in my characters, people I know, people in my family, little bits and pieces of their personalities that, you know, little quirks that I see things that have happened, you know, I dress them up in, you know, different clothes, but, uh-huh. um, but yeah, it does, it does come out. I, I even put some physical traits in And in the first series in particular, which we're not talking about, but um, when I was new at writing, it was easier for me to write some of the details knowing some of the physical traits were the same as ones I had the character. Um, In this latest series, I've given Dane one of my annoying characters, characteristics, because I know how people react to it, and it's fun to play with. So that little bit of me, like, I'm a neat freak. I'm absolutely neat freak. I, I can't cook unless the kitchen counter is completely cleaned and the sinks are scrubbed. <laughs> you know, the yeah. closets have to be organized. So it's so annoying for someone like my husband, who yeah. is not neat at all. Yeah. So that characteristic is super fun for me to put into characters and into stories. And I, I, I do it on purpose.
2: So it's kind of, the you're, you're writing for your reader in a sense then, in a case like that.
1: Yeah, you do, and and I I like to think that when I'm writing, I pick somebody, and it's usually my sister I pick, and I'm thinking I'm writing for her. This story is for her and everyone else who's like her.
2: Well, we have her on the other line right now. Do you?
1: <laughs> She's she got did something to say. not tell me that. <laughs> She's
2: got something to say about this right now. She's not happy.
1: Well, Stop. I I had I had a really funny funny thing happen in my um. In my family at home in Ontario, we rarely swear. We never say that F word, never. But it's in my books. And um, I've recently been toying with narrating these books myself. And um, so I I took a, a short course on it and learned how to do it and got, got the equipment and did a test run with the first chapter. And not even thinking about it, I sent it off to um, my beta readers and asked for their feedback. And I also sent it to my sister, <laughs> the one who reads my books. And I asked her to play it for my parents who live next door to her. And they're, they're not uh, as uh, savvy with um, computer equipment as she is. So um, she calls me a couple of days later and says, Well, mom and dad were over. And I played your recording. And um, she says, I thought it was maybe you were speaking a little too quickly. And her girlfriend was also there, and the girlfriend thought I was speaking a little too slowly. Mum thought it was very, very good. Of course. And and my father wondered who um, the narrator with the sailor mouth was. <laughs> I had totally forgot that was in there, and <laughs> I was embarrassed. Oh no. Oh
2: no, that stuff you don't you don't want parents to see that.
1: <laughs> no, I know. Oh, oh my poor parents. They put up with a lot.
2: Yeah, my God. See, and they tell you they're not savvy. It's because they don't want to hear this sort of foul <laughs> language.
1: Like, my God. Well, I got to say that word did slip out one time when I was talking with my dad, and he, honest to God, stopped mid-stride and looked at me. <laughs> I said, oops, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah, It's funny how that is, you know. Each generation seems to get a lot looser with language,
1: you know. Oh, my goodness, yeah. You know, yeah, that's, that's true.
2: Yeah, you always say supernatural thriller. Why is it driven by the supernatural?
1: Oh, I love that part of it, um, and I've loved that from from a very young age. I like the concept that we don't know everything yet, and that there could be abilities we don't know we have. So I play with that. And in in the first series I went over the top you know flying and and you know telekinesis and and that stuff but I find it fascinating and I love the possibility I just I go there all the time I I remember when I was a when I was a kid I read um The Chrysalids oh John Wyndham that's his name John Wyndham and um and that the whole idea that you could speak with your mind without using words and just mind speak telepathically right fascinating and so though that was the start of it I'm I've been drawn to you know the idea that people can fly or the idea that people can move things with their minds and I I just find it really super interesting and and therefore I put it in my books.
2: Where do you draw the line or do you like are you are you just kind of using the what's been kind of mainstream in a sense of you know like the you know, moving things with your mind or speaking with your mind and stuff like that? You know, is it, are you kind of taking what's already out there and or do you create some of your own?
1: I'd like to think I've created some of my own, but I sincerely doubt it. There has been so much written. The The one author that comes to mind is Victoria Aveyard and her Red Queen uh, series of books. When I was reading that one, I thought, wow, I thought I had a good imagination. Hers is off the charts for for magic and the things you can do with magic. So um, I don't think that anything I have written is truly original. I think I've used it in an original way um, in the sense that I set all of my books in the here and now, and they're very solidly anchored in, uh, well, in Vancouver is where I, I set them. And I do that because when I'm reading books, that are set like that, I find it so much easier to slip in the supernatural and make it believable. And then you can put more supernatural in.
2: Never enough bewitched.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, guilty as charged.
2: Yes. (laughs) Well, so is Vancouver um, written as a character
1: then? No, it is. Definitely. I like, uh, I mean, any city would have done Any city has, you know, all of the components that you need for uh, an inner city type of story. But I know Vancouver probably better than other cities. And I, you know, if I'm going to make a mistake about a city, I'd rather make it about a, you know, I'd rather have the mistake be one that I can own and say, oh, yes, I got that wrong. Versus, you know, if I was to place it in Chicago, I would have to be uh, either traveling there, spending a lot of time there just to get to know the feel of the place. So I know what this place feels like. I lived there for 10 years uh, and I live downtown. So, you know, I know the streets. I know the feel of it. At least the feel of it before COVID, I am sure it has completely changed since then. But I'm basing it on the before COVID time frame.
2: Right. So when you were writing about your street walker, were you down there walking the streets?
1: I I have walked those streets. (laughs) I do know (laughs) what that looks like. (laughs) Yes, I, I... definitely have observed quite a bit of that and you know as a writer it's it's fun that's probably one of the things even before you know you're a writer you're observing people and you're you're um, you're playing stories in your mind what's that person doing here how did they get here you know how how this come about where are they going when they're finished here you know what they do where are they going to spend the night that kind of thing
2: wow so like if people are walking around vancouver and they see you they should sort of probably run away <laughs>
1: <laughs> or introduce themselves make yeah, them using their name
2: <laughs> they'll, they'll be next in the book you know how do you how do you rate the evil person the evil character or the ones that are trying to do let's say they're, they're setting up the tension the ones that we should be scared of the most
1: those characters are the people in my life that have irritated me or or tried to hurt me you know um talking
2: about your husband again
1: Never. No, no. But I think back to um, former colleagues, uh, bosses, sometimes friends, school year bullies, sometimes movies. You know, you get some ideas from watching movies and um, reading other books. But I, I think the, the arrogance of people is one of the things that I typically will put into my, my bad person. There's usually a sense of arrogance and rightness that they think that they're right.
2: Yeah, you kind of have to. I think you have to show that side because uh, you want the reader to understand why they're doing what they're doing, I think. Because mm-hmm. they've got to they understand that. They've got to know why. I, I mean, otherwise it becomes very, uh, you know, the character becomes very blah if they're just, just a killer, you know, or nothing else. Yeah. So, do you like writing your your bad people?
1: best part of writing, writing the bad people well actually the best part of all of it but the bad people in particular is the dialogue because I get to pick what goes in their mouth you know what they say and um, I love being able to develop character through the way they say things the words they use the punch of the words like whether or not you're going to put a period after every word in I'm not going there you know that type of visual in the writing that portrays character is fun. I do find that fun.
2: You just like being able to swear.
1: <laughs> I love being able to put words in people's mouths. I think back to all, all the arguments you've had in your life, you know, and you never get the exact right retort at the right time. And when you're writing, you can do that. Right. It's always yeah. perfect timing and the retort is just wonderful. <laughs>
2: So do you are you are you one that has to be in a certain location when you're doing these books?
1: I wouldn't say I'm one that has to be. It's just that I don't generally go anywhere. So, <laughs> so I, I am. So you're always <laughs> there. I, mean, I'm, I usually sit in the same spot because um, it's just where all my stuff is, you know, handy mug and my, my reference material and such. And um, if I'm not writing here... I have, on occasion, been at my sister's house, and I just find a quiet corner. That's the only thing I really need is quiet. Otherwise, I can write. I can write anywhere, but I do have my favorite spots. The other thing I do is I have different spots for different writing, and I think that that's because you know when I'm in my creative mood, I'm in one spot, and if I was to start doing my um, marketing type things. It, it, I don't know, maybe it, it's just a mental thing. It doesn't flow as well. Like I can't do my creative stuff where I'm doing my marketing stuff. I can do it the other way around. But my creative stuff, it's almost like I've created a, a, a little corner in a room that's only for creative thinking. Nothing's There's no internet. There's no radio. It's just quiet in that little corner. And when I'm doing my, my marketing kind of things, I can have music on. I, the TV can be going in the background; it doesn't really bother me. I can, I can sit there and you know my things that I need to do, but not my creative stuff. That's kind of like a sacred little spot that I, I cordoned off. And when I'm in my sister's house, same thing. As long as it's quiet, I can do it.
2: You know, and that's where the bodies are, right? The dead bodies. In the
1: backyard.
2: Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> oh, is mood important to you? Then can you just go about this this writing thing? Any time, Or do you have to put yourself in a certain mood or be in a mood or, you know, it just doesn't work all the time?
1: Uh, no, I can I can pretty much put myself in the mood for it. Um, but I, I do notice things like, for example, it's really difficult to write a heavy, heavy fight scene on a brilliant, sunny, warm day and on a miserable winter rain, you know, leaf growing when the, when the leaves are sticking to the windows because the wind's so bad and the rain's bad. It's hard to write a happy, um, upbeat scene. You really have to work harder on those days. And it's just perfect if when it's crappy out, you're writing a really tough scene. It just adds to it.
2: Do you ever, do you ever write, uh, is, is, is there, let's say, is there a lot of violence in any in, in your books or do you, do you write violence in the book? I do. Are you conscious of it then? Are you thinking about how you write it at, for the reader, or do you just kind of go with what you feel is right?
1: I go with what I feel is is right. I'm usually in that character's head, so if there is violence happening, um, they're probably defending themselves.
2: Oh, so you say?
1: Yeah, yeah. That you know that that's what that character would think at the time. So it's not. It's not. They have to do as much as they have to do to get themselves out of whatever situation they're in. And sometimes it's not much. Sometimes they just have to be clever and think clever and do something clever. And other times they actually do have to, you know, grab the knife. This character, she keeps a knife in her boot because she grew up on the street. So familiar with knives.
2: Is that where you keep yours?
1: I do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can see it. It surprises my friends. And that's that's a hoot. That is such a hoot because <laughs> friends that go, I didn't know this about you. <laughs> <laughs> I think they tend to think that I am the characters that I, I am not, but um, but they aren't the characters. I guess they thought I was. I would be writing. They thought I'd be writing happy things.
2: Happy. I go to the dark side. Yeah, writing about you know little cats <laughs> <laughs> being all happy. You know. <laughs>
1: You know, you know, that's one thing I never write about. I, I do not write nasty things about animals. Like, I can't go there. That's just so awful because I'm a pet lover.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Actually, and it's a turn off for me. It's a turn off it all the way around. Like, if I if I get a book or even if I'm watching a show and if it's a, uh, something that's really awful to, to an animal, I usually go off of it then. It turns me off of it.
1: I read a, a book once. I can't remember the name of it, but I got to a scene and I, I it was already read and I couldn't unread it. And I think of it to this day and it just is so sad and I wish I had never, ever read it.
2: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not one for that and I don't know what it is. It's something that's happened as I get older for some reason. Maybe I'm just getting old and soft. <laughs> I don't know. I don't,
1: well, maybe that's it.
2: That's it. I don't know. I don't like it. So what do, what do you, um, you know, you don't know if you're going to do a book four then at this point, or do you?
1: At this point, I'm not going to do a book four. And the reason I'm not doing a book four is because I've been contemplating and a, a bunch of witches have been kind of nagging at me. Uh, they want me to get back into more magic. So okay. I'm, I am, I am jotting down, I'm at the outline stage for a book about witches and warlocks. And I'm trying to. <clears throat> well i'm not trying to I will find a different take on witches and warlocks because I don't want to redo things that have already been done. I want to put a new twist on witches and warlocks, and that's what I'm working on
2: okay, so they're gonna like you're gonna have a group of uh witches and warlocks that are running a spa <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: oh God. well, you know that's funny i i have I have no interest in writing. Uh, war um werewolves or vampires. I don't know why. It just doesn't interest me. But the war- warlocks and witches, that that's got that's got potential.
0: Oh,
2: well there you go. There we go. So what happens to these characters then? So you're not going to write a book for. So what what's going to happen with these characters that you've spent all this time with?
1: Well, there may be a book for, but not right away. It is the same with the first series. I mean, it's finished as well. Like I think it it's wrapped up really nicely. I could go back and I mean there's so many things this character can do because she's uh part part of her, her thing she's got these marks protecting her because she sees the past. She has the 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 gene that allows her to witness past events and she's charged with righting the wrongs that she sees. So there's tons of potential for her to continue on. It's just that at this time I'd like to start something fresh.
2: Right. You know, yeah, and it is really wrong to wear old jeans that you used to wear 20 years ago.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know the other interesting thing about series? I've written two series. I've written 10 books, but they're in two series. So I'm always talking about usually the first book. So really, it's two books that I talk about the most, the first in series. Of these books, so the more series I have, or the more first books I have, the more interesting my writing life is because I can then pick more. Okay, I'm going to write another Bloodmark book. I'm going to write another Gift book, or maybe I'm going to write another Witch book. But it gives me more options down the road for what I'm going to write next.
2: So these characters are they? So they're still there, but you just don't think about them. They disappear, and and when you go back to a character, have you ever done that? Go back to someone uh, that you've written years later. Do you have any difficulty picking up?
1: I've not done that yet. So time will tell, I suppose. It is, I do leave them behind. I have to. Um, And in like the first series, there's seven books. I knew that, that main character. It was written in first person. I knew her inside and out and breaking from her, was necessary in order to write a different character and make it sound different. I wanted, I didn't want people who read the first series to pick up the next series and say, "Oh, this is the same girl, just in a different, different set of circumstances." So I think it's important that you do distance yourself. For me, um, I have to distance myself from the characters in the my existing characters in order to create a new one.
2: So you just use them and then dump them.
1: I'm awful that way.
2: Well, fair well. I- <laughs> Nice. So um, so where are you going to go next? Like, what what's up for, for JP next?
1: Uh, well, th- two things. I'm, I'm narrating my dark dreams novels, which is fun. And I'm also um, picking away at this Witches and Warlocks. Yeah. But Christmas comes first. I hate to say that um, because I've, I've had such great fun at Christmas markets this year um, i i don't know why i guess it's just maybe the first time since covid that people are happy again um you still i'm still seeing lots of masks and that's fine that's just fine but i think people are happier and so i'm i'm enjoying that and i'm i'm volunteering on the weekend at a big market we have a two day christmas craft fair here on Denman island and um it's a huge event people bus in from off island to come and um buy things for Christmas, and I'm volunteering at a fundraising dessert table in the lounge, so it's going to be a hoot. There's about four or five of us, and and we're all fairly um, humorous people, so it's going to be all looking forward to it.
2: Well, yeah, it'll be... uh, Do you like doing live events, then, and book signings and things like that?
1: Oh, I love doing them. Yeah, yeah. I did my biggest event ever this year. I I did one in the summer called uh, Comox Nautical Days and it was a 3 day event where you set up your tent for 3 days, 3 long days. But I sold more books than I've ever sold before in in one event and um and that was phenomenal, 140 some books. Wow. Lots of talking to brand new people that I have never met before and um and then I was able to send them you and know, me pick up the first in series like they all do. Um and then I can send them to local bookstores for the next in the series, and that helps the local local bookstores out too.
2: Yeah, no, it's good stuff. You know, it's it's tiring the uh, the live events. You know, mentally tiring.
1: Physically too. Like, geez, sometimes you just have to take your shoes off and wander around barefoot just because your feet are sore, or sit down because your back is sore. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I always just sit up with my feet up, and <laughs> <laughs> anybody brave enough to come by and buy a book, then you know, hey, you know. Then, <laughs> So it's all good. Are you are you are you're happy with the the publishing world the way it is now.
1: I've kind of made my you know made my spot in it. Yeah. I I think that it's going to be continuously changing. I think that the the whole idea of books written by artificial intelligence is challenging. I mean, not challenging from a writer's perspective. I think more about the readers who pick these books up unknowingly or unwittingly, and they open them up and start reading them, and it's garbage. And I I. I think that that's going to somehow come to a head and be fixed, hopefully.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't quite get it. I don't understand how uh, anything I've seen by AI seems to be very, you know, it's not very good. It's and it's there's it's. I don't know. It's choppy. It's not. It's not really good stuff. So I don't know.
1: I mean, there's. I think there's a a place and a purpose um, where you can use it, and and I I've certainly used it. Um, and in particular, I'll, I'll help get it to help me with marketing. Like I'll ask it for uh, 10 of the most popular Twitter hashtags or this or that. You know, I'll narrow the question down as best I can. And that saves me a lot of work, you know. And, and you can ask it to, you know, come up with a, put your, put your next blog post in and say, give me a three-word or four-word or five-word title um, that is search engine optimized. That stuff is super helpful and saves an awful lot of time. But um, when I read short stories, even back of book descriptions, they're missing something. You know, I I think they're a great starting place. And then you have to really, really work on uh, fine-tuning them, honing them in.
2: Right. Yeah. I've, I've just had no experience with them. I don't, I haven't got into it yet. So I don't know. I don't have room for it.
1: One more thing to figure out. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, I got enough going on, and I just don't know. Um, I don't even do hashtags even when I post, so I'm, I'm out of it. I'm old school. Yeah, real old. Well,
1: it it, yeah. Where do you stop? You know, where do you stop? You you have to kind of pick a few things and and work on those, and not be bothered too much about the rest of it. Yeah. Are you on TikTok?
2: Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I have a pretty good following on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. Like I'm, I'm doing well on those ones. Uh, Twitter, not so much. Blue Sky, not so much. I'm on all those, but I don't have much of a a, a following. But I don't really work them as well, I guess, and I don't understand them. But uh, but the other three, I've I've done really well. I think Facebook, I've got eighty eighty five thousand followers now.
1: Oh, I'm one
2: of them. Yeah. Well, there you go. See. <laughs> But, um, I don't know. I don't really pay much attention. I do my uh, social media and run, you know, in the morning and try yes. to stay away from it. Right. So you're doing social media? People find you there? real easy?
1: Yeah, I'm doing um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or X. Um, X is being less and less effective. So I'm really concentrating on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I've been playing a little bit with threads. It's not as uh, productive, I suppose. Um, I don't get as much traction there as I do on the other two. Um, but I'm not on TikTok. I just, like like you said about AI, I just can't take on one more thing. Right, right. So I'm I'm not on that. And I'm not particularly good at, uh, creating video, which is something that I believe is an important part of TikTok. Is it not?
2: It, it's, it's, it's the main thing. That's what most people look for is, is the video sort of thing. I just post the regular posts, and uh, it's grown quite a bit. Um, it's in the 60,000 area. It's grown a lot, and that's just for me oh, posting for what I yeah, that's just what I post normal. I haven't worked it as in doing videos. I do my dog once in a while when I walk him, and stuff like <laughs> that. But that's you know nothing major. So I don't know. I don't know what the key is there, and why people are gravitate to certain accounts. I'm not sure. Um, but like I said, I I do it and and run. You know, are you are you doing? Um, do you have a website?
1: jpmcleanauthor.com
2: well you know uh, we'll put all of that up there on our website and of course we'll have your new book and everything else up there so people can find it easily they can hunt you down give you a well
1: thank you always your, good to be hunted down
2: yeah <laughs> well they, they, then you know you're wanted right? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're taking the time you know so anyway so your new book Scorchmark And it's Dark Dreams Book 3. J.P. McLean, thank you for being here.
1: It's been a pleasure. Always nice to
0: chat. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com.
1: Show's over for now.